0: This week, absolutely delighted to be um, joined by Richard Baker, who is founder of a company called Token Ovate. Richard, I hope I've said that right. And you've written an article about how maturing blockchains can speed up settlement and improve collateral management.
1: Flippin' neck, that's a bit of a mouthful. It is. Yeah. Well, company name's a mouthful and, and the topic is a mouthful. Well, firstly, Johnny, thank you for inviting me. Real pleasure to be on this. It's uh, It's been a little while in the making, so I really appreciate you inviting us in. Well, um, but yeah, exciting. Um, we've, got, we've got a lot going on at Token i uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the origin of that name as we, as we get into this. Well, can you start off by saying, um, as Scylla Black say, you say, know,
0: who you are, where you come from? You know, How did you get into this uh, mad, bad world of blockchains <laughs> and all that sort of stuff?
1: Oh, it's uh yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, well, firstly, I live in the UK. I'm based in Cambridge in the UK. The accent that you, your listeners will hear is Irish. I, I was born and grew up in Southern Ireland, County Cork. Right. Um, we do serve the best pint of Guinness in Cork, by the way. You do? And um, you're not bad at rugby either at the moment, are you? Yeah, this is true. Yes, it's exciting. <laughs> it all starts very, very shortly. <laughs> Uh, But no, uh, a technologist by background, Johnny, Uh, I'm I'm trained electronics engineer, Uh, grew up a little bit in the merchant navy as a radio officer, moved over into telecoms for 14, 15 years So worked for big corporations Uh, at the heyday really of building the the first phase of the internet. So I was with optical networking um, around the world, building the infrastructure for big telcos in the 90s and early 2000s, ventured onto my own thing really in financial services uh, originally in 2009, so I was fortunate enough to found and build a company called Clear Trade Exchange, which was a regulated futures market in Singapore, um, and founded that on the back of reading the Dodd Frank Act and the early drafts for MIFID Two. Johnny, would you believe? Um, mm-hmm. So felt felt I could operate a new uh, exchange trading venue for commodities. And indeed, that that's what we did. We became a a fully regulated futures market with MAS in Singapore. So, what sort of commodities? commodities, What sort of commodities was that then? It was it was uh, it was industrial commodities actually. So, a lot of it was orientated around uh, the dry bulk shipping market. So, we listed uh, dry bulk freight and so dry dry and wet tankers and containers. Yeah, but then all of. I guess, commodities that were either consumed by those vesicles or, or were shipped on those vessels. So we did iron ore, steel, uh, thermal coal, coking coal, bunker bunker oil, uh, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that market, ran, ran that business for seven years and sold it to Deutsche Boer's group in 2016. And so it it sits nicely today under uh, one of Deutsche Boer's group companies called the European Energy Exchange.
0: Got it. Got it. OK. All right. So you've been in this sort of exchange and um alternative investments are yeah. for a while then
1: yeah that that was that was the journey really or journey one i suppose of you know what were bilaterally traded over the counter uh, instruments in all of those markets between between counterparties and that and i think as regulation changed in 2013 um a lot of those instruments became centrally cleared and that brought in you know opportunities to kind of maybe do digitization phase 1 and so uh, the the business i built we were a cloud operating exchange we ran our central limit order book and our give up services out of microsoft azure way back then and Mm. we were one of the very first companies to do that and uh but you know the industry you may recall back then was was hot with things like straight through processing to clearing houses radical stuff radical stuff (laughs) um but it it was it was a real adventure but it was it was it was really necessary you know at the end of the day you were trying to de-risk the life cycle of a trade and so from the point that it's 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 captured and 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 brought together in the pre trade process ultimately it's how do you register that trade efficiently into a clearing house or into a, a custody facility and then allow that 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 life cycle of the trade to be managed efficiently but as mm-hmm. we know that that has generated unfortunately today a lot of um disparate systems and uh, handoffs across that ecosystem over the last 10, 15 years. So there's lots of databases involved. There's lots of risk systems, reporting systems. So it's today not really that efficient, to be honest. Right. So I guess it was that history um, that that made me think about building Topnovate. Um But to answer your other question, I first got involved with blockchains in 2015. I was looking at it for my business then as a possible solution for how we might run settlement and clearing in a different way. Could we use blockchain technology as a settlement layer? Mm -hmm. Um, To be honest, back in 2015, the technology wasn't ready, so we didn't do it. Um, But I stayed with, with, with exploring blockchain and particularly one version of blockchain, which is the original Bitcoin protocol. And I say it as a technologist, it is a protocol first. Uh, a blockchain second and a token a distant 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 third um and but it is probably the most confusing and misunderstood technology protocol that i've experienced in 30 35 years of of being in the technology industry and well, so okay,
0: um, can i can i come in there then so because yeah. we have a real selection of listeners here on on you know this is going out in conjunction with um you know our sister business cyber which is the online radio station I mentioned to you, based in the US, going to about 170 countries. So we've got some real experts and some real techies, or I, I call them the geeks. And we've also got, um, my mum listens to this, age 89. So she's got no idea when you start talking about tokens and protocols. And Can you just very simply just go through those? Because I think that could well help people then understand we'll get into your article.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let, let's, let's maybe um, break it down into technologies we understand today. So when you and I, Johnny, open our, you know, our laptop computers and, you know, our our Wi-Fi connects in the background, you know, you and I aren't involved in uh, other than an interface saying, yes, select a particular name of a Wi-Fi, but my computer ultimately goes on and does a whole bunch of communications in the background to get an IP address and to set itself up on the network and go off and start sending messages right so when we talk about protocols that's a protocol in the background it undertakes a set of logical functions establishes connectivity exchanges messages and and sets up permission structures says okay richard's computer is this name it's on this network and you know i'm permission or i have permission my data to be broadcast across that network if you like right so at one level you know when we're talking now in modern terms about uh, protocols that are blockchains. We are still talking about uh, technology that is establishing foundations of modern infrastructure. How do you establish the principles of uh, communication, the exchange of some value, the exchange of some trust? So I, I think to try and demystify blockchain technology, I w- I would start to translate it in in that capacity. Firstly, Johnny, got it. Um, now, when we talk about okay, I've got a protocol and it allows the transmission of value, and in a in a blockchain, it's 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 doing that in a particular way. Firstly, it is one single instance of a common database that everybody sees at the same time, and and a blockchain has been invented to say, actually, what is the most important thing to achieve? I guess in in the undertaking of a buyer or seller. At meeting each other is that you want a common consensus of the event. So when you and I exchange value and say, yes, let's let's do something, what we don't want is numerous databases holding the same record and trying to correlate it or match it up at the end. Actually, it would be more beneficial that at the start of the event, it's all on the same database at the same time. So it's a common consensus layer. And again, that's the other most significant thing that a blockchain brings to. Uh, the world but certainly to financial services right so and then
0: sorry go on yeah, and then and then the final part of that is is in your company name the token bit
1: yeah and 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 yeah so tokens so today uh tokens are becoming you know digital forms of underlying assets yeah. and they can be anything we can tokenize cash mm-hmm. uh, we can tokenize property we can tokenize bonds Mm-hmm. And indeed, all of these things are happening around the world at the moment, and we'll come back to why in a second. Um, and yeah, for for tokenovate, I, I looked at uh, I guess putting a few of these things together. Uh, and, and all founders try and be a little bit clever with their own company names, but it was the the, the bringing together of in a world of derivative trading, what is the the common uh, legal activity that happens in a derivative is that you're novating. <laughs> the legal responsibility and the obligations of a contract it, um, often. So when counterparties come together and they use a clearinghouse, you novate your trade into the clearinghouse. So one part of our name is novation because I yep. am undertaking the function of no le- of novation through uh, the concept of tokenizing an asset mm. and tokenizing the trade.
0: Very clever. Very. Cle- you obviously came up with that name after a few Guinnesses. Uh, I think I think a few Guinness were involved, yes, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. well, uh, richard, i I mean this, I, I we we've not met before, I have to be honest, but I really do mean this generally. i'm I'm really pleased you've come on the show because um there's been a lot of focus in the press, with the regulators and and, and community at large about cryptocurrencies. Um, and yeah. I can understand, you know, people have made a and lot of, made and lost a lot of money, but it's only one trillion dollars. Um, and so I'm particularly interested in hearing a little bit more from yourself about the derivatives market, because depending on who you listen to, it could be worth as much as 1.2 quadrillion. I'm Absolutely. not saying there's a lot of noughts, but it's a huge asset class, arguably the biggest asset class in the world. And, and you're now doing you bringing the blockchain technology to make it more efficient, speed
1: it up and hopefully possibly even make it cheaper to trade. Is, is that in a nutshell? Is that correct? That's it. In a nutshell, you've nailed it. Yeah, it's huge, Johnny. So you're, you're really right to point this out. So I think what people don't realize, a derivative obviously is um, is used across more or less every asset class that's traded in the world. So whether we're talking about interest rates or fixed income or bonds or credit uh, or commodities, you know, all of those underlying uh, fundamental assets have been complemented with some form of a futures contract or a forward contract or or a swap product that is exchanging value or or giving a hedging solution, a risk management solution. And derivatives are used for those purposes. Am I either using a derivative uh, to help me risk manage uh, an underlying asset or or I'm using it to hedge risk into the future on a forward or a future? And so, yes, it's, it's a global a global product, a derivative, and it, it is in the quadrillions today. Okay. And, and I think that's good, on... that's
0: but that's the other important point, I think, Richard, is that a lot of people that know a little bit about sort of financial markets, and then you say, Oh, the derivatives market, they glaze over and they say, Oh, that's super risky, and you know, people can make and lose a fortune, which yes, to be fair, they can, but essentially derivatives um, have come about as indeed options, as indeed futures
1: have come about as a form of insurance, as a form of risk management, haven't they? They have, very much so. Yeah, you know, back in my old days when I was building my exchange, you know, we we would be, be dealing with buyers and sellers that were fundamentally digging iron ore out of Australia and shipping it on a train physically across Australia and putting it in a ship and sending it up to China to a steel mill. And the steel mill was buying the iron ore because they run, you know, a big melting pot. They put thermal coal underneath the pot They put coking coal and iron ore in the pot and out comes steel. And so, you know, that's that's a complex of commodities that that effectively the buyer, the steel mill and the seller, the iron ore company, would come to the financial markets and hedge their risk on all of those products. Right. And they're really hedging the prices, but they're also hedging the time delay associated to shipping it from Australia up to China. Got it. And you know, I'm using that as a as a real world example. But derivatives are very, very important part of our financial services backbone. They they help uh, actors come in and out of the market on a daily basis. Whether it's our pension funds or you know our our money markets, or indeed the, as I've just said, the the com- commodities markets. And so we're really passionate about helping those industries reduce cost. Uh, but 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 significantly become a lot more efficient through digitization of the workflows. It's boring stuff. This is process re-engineering, I suppose. Yeah. But today a lot of those counterparties around the world will use a common legal contract. And this is a contract that's been around since the early 1980s. It's something called the ISDA. And this that stands for International Swaps and Derivatives Association. But a master ISDA agreement underpins the vast majority of that one quadrillion dollar derivatives market today. Um, And that that has largely been in paper form. So when counterparties enter a trade, they'll sign a paper contract. And then they'll have a few schedules that describe, you know, the risks and liabilities and what happens in the event of a bankruptcy or a default. And so every derivative is, is underpinned more or less by an ISDA. And so we started this business and collaborated with ISDA, uh, 18 months ago, to start to, to take ISDA in its digital form. So it's now expressed in code. That, that legal contract is expressed in code. And at Tokenovate, we take that uh, code as an expression, if you like, of a logic system. So it's it's a it's a set of conditional logic outputs. And it says, in the event that this happens, do the following things. It's like a flowchart. It's like a flowchart. Um, and we take that logic system and we now deploy it into smart contracts which are just uh, scripting language it's so yeah. it's it's using a scripting language to write a series of smart contracts and each of those smart contracts is is a micro small event and we write that event as it happens to a blockchain got it and what that means is that we can signal very early on that you know a buy and a sell has come together and it, it comes with the following economic and legal expectations, and we can signal the system to say, well, these are all of the expected conditions, and therefore the smart contracts can automate how you de-risk and run that contract in the market. And I say it this way, Johnny, because uh, industry gets really excited about the super sexy bit, which is setting up the trade and building a brand new trading system or a new exchange order book system. Unfortunately, for the vast majority of people in the market, maintaining the trade over its lifetime is the more painful part. And this is where all the complex risk systems and revaluation systems and reporting systems come in. And that gets less time and attention. So it's often referred to as the mid and back office or the post-trade processes. And so we we use smart contracts to automate and look after the life cycle of the trade. And that's important because if it's a 30-year bond or a 10-year interest rate, there's a lot of events that happen on a daily basis to maintain that position. So that's what Tognabate specializes in. We help digitize uh, the life cycle of the trade uh, to ensure that its economic and its legal expectations are fulfilled digitally. Okay, and bearing in mind, this
0: is a a, a global industry, the derivatives industry. Um, And I think we were looking at some analysis recently that um, something like 80% of all global trade is carried out using English law. Presumably, you've got the opportunity to, Effectively, sort of sell token bait, um on a global basis wherever people are 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 trading or wherever certainly people using derivatives. Um, you you can help them make their systems and processes hopefully not just faster and cheaper, but a little bit more robust and and less
1: risky. Absolutely, and and uh, this is a really interesting topic that's been been debated for quite a few years. But uh, again, maybe for for global listeners, let's let's keep it normal which is, yes, I think English law has traveled around the world for, for various historic reasons, not necessarily always good. Um, I say that as an Irishman. Um, but uh, it is the backbone. It is 80% of the backbone of a lot of uh, uh, financial services, certainly, but also global trade. Yeah, And uh, the UK Law Commission over the last couple of years completed uh, over the summertime this year something called the Digital Trade Act. And the Digital Trade Act came through Parliament in the United Kingdom and has been enshrined into law, but contained in that Digital Trade Act was the legal definition of something called the smart legal contract. And what's what's relevant for this? Well, it's, it's about modernizing commerce. It's about modernizing trade to recognize that things are now happening digitally and contracts can be signed digitally, exchanged digitally um but more importantly what it's really getting at is that existing legal structures exist even though you're expressing a contracting code meaning bankruptcy law insolvency law common law will still apply to that smart legal contract um even though it's in digital form and that that was a really significant step that the uk law commission achieved in the uk yeah and we 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 follow that closely and we can see that having very significant global impact, and indeed, other nations in the world are now looking at that work and are following very similar steps. But I think the reason I highlight that, Johnny, is that you know, if you and I are entering into a contract, you know, we have tried and trusted history in common law and bankruptcy law, and insolvency law, and property law. If I own a piece of land, you know, it falls today under property law, and if I have a problem, I want to be able to go to, uh, you know, a court and exercise my rights over that property. And when we tokenize assets, we should expect exactly the same frameworks and the same things to be able Correct. to work for us. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if we'd have had this conversation, um, to be fair, even six months ago, um, you know, there, there was uncertainty around, you know, a lot of people said, well, a smart contract's not smart and it's not even a contract. But I think, you know, we've now had some clarity on that. We've now had some clarity again from the um, the Law Commission of England Wales talking about um, you know, the the definition of, or, or the legal definitions and ramifications of digital assets. So, um, you know, that your time has come in the sense that now is the time that we're seeing institutions, almost every day we're seeing, um, you know, different institutions coming out and and being much more active in terms of using blockchain technology or DLTs. Um, but wh- where are you as a business, where do you see, I hate the expression, but I will use it, you know, the low hanging fruit, where do you where do you see the, the first obvious places that you can take and go and attract customers then?
1: Yeah, no, look, firstly, there's there's been uh, no end of excitement and adoption in, in, you know, in traditional financial services. I think there isn't a month that hasn't gone by this year where I haven't seen an updated report on uh, how many assets are going to be digitized, tokenized, and expressed in smart legal contracts and traded on a blockchain. I think the future of finance markets globally are being rebuilt at the moment and so we we participate in this through the concept of a you know a macro story if you like of what has been known as traditional financial market infrastructure is becoming distributed financial market infrastructure so we're we're a modern technology company um participating in that broader transformation i think what we're seeing early on is um is there's a lot of pain still in the uh, area of collateral management and settlement you know the concept of getting from t plus 2 in terms of when my trade um, is is subject to collateral and margin and and ultimately i'm trying to get to finality settlement mm-hmm. you know there's still a lot of operational dwell time caught up in that process johnny so we see probably most interest in how do you compress and digitize what's going on in clearing, settlement, collateral management, and, and effectively eradicating those time delays and those operational inefficiencies in that layer. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time looking at that problem statement and and have a very strong opinion on how assets can be expressed in digital forms. So we, we have a technique of being able to represent an underlying asset for collateral purposes as a digital twin we codify in the digital twin, the very detailed attributes of the underlying asset. Um, And when we do that, we can express that asset then as a new proxy of value, a new expression of value in a fractionalized way. And and in a fractionalized way, we can then have the smart contract library manage that asset as it needs to be posted for initial margin or variation margin, or, or indeed just as as collateral under uncleared rules uh, and and we can automate the settlement process and the trade reporting that goes with that got it and and that process alone makes up a very large part of mid and back office functions for every bank and every asset manager in the world and it is where a lot of money is operationally currently timed um, and so transforming that first I think is is quite a significant focus for token of eight Okay, I take another leap for for a second. But what we're also seeing is the rise of new asset classes, Johnny, and I think it would be really pretty criminal if we saw brand new asset classes coming to market in traditional ways. And here I'm talking about things like the voluntary carbon credit market. Yep. So as we now see voluntary carbon credit, probably about to become the largest new asset classes in the world, I think it's going to be much bigger than traditional oil and gas. Uh, traded volumes. Uh, we've seen a lot of forecasts in this market, but it's spanning 193 countries. There's a challenge ahead in how you develop global liquidity. Every sovereign nation wants to protect their own carbon sinks, but we are going to see those carbon sinks get tokenized and brought onto global liquidity networks in digital form. And so th- that that should be a digital first asset class. It shouldn't be subject to uh, a historic way of working. So I I think we're seeing those two as our most significant opportunities in the short term.
0: Right, right. Well, I I think you're you're absolutely right. We are going to see, without a doubt, other other assets being digitized, um, you know, in terms of uh, historically personal information was was monetized by the fangs, the Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. But there's no reason why in time we can't see our own personal, whether it's our spending patterns, whether it's our healthcare data, whether it's our driving data, You know, they will be digitized, tokenized. And I, I think this is, um, you may well have seen it recently, uh, Mastercard have um, created a new network called the uh, Multi-Token Network, because they see potentially tokenization of assets being used as a form of payment. Um, and not that it'll necessarily replace cash, but it'll offer an alternative way that people, uh, in a funny way, almost going back to the bartering that we had, you know, if you go back sort of uh, nearly 3,000 years ago before we had um, physical forms of money in terms of coins, um, people would barter a bushel of coin for, you know, maybe a basket of um, bread or something like that. And and now we're we're doing a similar thing. So, um, but really interesting. Um, Would love to try and get you to come back um, maybe in six months or so, um, because I think, there's not enough people talking about this topic. And I know at some level people say, Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not into derivatives. And I know you're not as a listener, but it will impact on, you know, you because it means that if I don't know, the the Kellogg's cornflakes can actually, you know, hedge and buy and sell commodities more efficiently and cheaper, then potentially they can reduce the cost of a packet of cornflakes. Is it's as simple as yeah. that,
1: isn't it, Richard? It is, yeah. And and we've all been subject to that, unfortunately, with with you know the ukraine russian war we we've seen the commodities markets being used heavily for for risk management a lot of you know fertilizer products a lot of grains and and certainly you know our our, our power infrastructures our, our our gas and electricity supply yeah. these are all instruments that have to be uh risk managed with derivatives right now because there's you know there's been huge volatility spikes in 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 the markets post that war and so yes whether we're as as day-to-day consumers, thinking about them or not, every product we purchase and everything we interact with uh ultimately has a derivative trying to help smooth out its price and its supply. Brilliant. Okay. Richard, and the best way to get hold of you,
0: it's fairly straightforward. Richard Baker, B-A-K-R, you're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, yeah. Um, and token it is T-O-K-E-N token, same word. O V A T V A T E
1: tokenvate T O K E N O V A T E. Yep.com tokenovate.com.
0: Fantastic, Richard. Thank you for joining us today. And I say, be great to get you back later in the year um, as you start interacting and rolling out the tech into that derivatives market because it's
1: uh, there's a huge opportunity of that adapt. But thank you for coming on today. No, absolute pleasure, Johnny. Thank you very much for the conversation today. Really enjoyed it.